This Torah class is brought to you by TorahAnytime.com. I don't know if any of you know this, but uh, you know I've been running the Possible Use Seminar now for 21 years. I have, uh, I have, Baruch Hashem, um, over 12,000 graduates, and it's now being led by other leaders, so I've finally got other people leading it. Um, last week was a Possible Use Seminar for Women in Borough Park. I wasn't there, first time. They ran it without me. And you want to know something? The feedback day after day that I was seeing on WhatsApp, the feedback was actually better than any feedback I've ever gotten leading it myself. And uh, the next one's Lakewood, and the next one's Muncie for women. Men's is Brooklyn on Sunday. But what happened was many years ago, anyone know what year Keravtoni started? Shabbos Keravtoni? No, no. Two thousand sixteen. Anyway, uh, what happened was people who did my seminar had such big breakthroughs in their lives that they got together. Their wives did it. The husbands did it. They got together and they said, "How can we? How can we help the noelim? Because the noelim is not all coming to my seminar. They may someday, but we're not going to get all the noelim in the seminar. What can we do?" And so that's when they decided to make the most beautiful Hungarian standard Shabbos that ever was. And it was a smashing success. Like 400 couples came. They had no idea it was going to work. And now we're at 19. So I, I kind of gave birth to the Possible You Seminar. The Possible You Birth, the Possible You Seminar gave birth to Shabbos Keravtoni. And there's actually a Shabbaton called Kesha Nafshi for parents who have kids off the derech. And Shabbos Keravtoni gave birth to Kesha Nafshi. So I speak often for them. That's my great-grandchild. Okay, that's it. Here we go. How to reinvent yourself after the age of 40. Uh, this is a, a complex issue. And it has to do also with brain science. There's something called neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity has to do with your brain, neurons. Your brain has you know, close to a billion neurons. Each neuron is connected, networked with every other neuron. So think about it, if you have a billion neurons that are all networked with every other neuron, you're talking about billions upon billions of connections in a network. The scientists say that there are more connections in your brain than all the networks of of the physical world, just in your one brain. It's massive. All of those neurons, when you're born, are unmapped. And that's why an infant is just like, I mean, you could teach it 10 languages at once. My, my children grew up in English in our home. They're English. We're, I raised my kids in, in a place called Botebreide in Yerushalayim. They, they speak Vos. Their Yiddish is Vos Yiddish. Their English is exactly like mine, no difference. You would think they were raised in, in Long Island. Or probably Los Angeles, because... 
You know, even not even a New York accent. I mean, it's just like my accent. And they, uh, they're Hebrew. You would have no clue they were not Israeli. And they're Yiddish. You'd have no clue they weren't raised in Botebrede. The reason is, is because when you're a little baby, you're all those, that network is completely unmapped. And all that mapping takes place in those young ages. This is why, for example, I'm known, um, I'm, I'm, you don't know this, but I'm famous for a particular sport that I do, which is called surfing, where you stand on a board, ladies, if you can envision, I guess, an ironing board, and uh, where you stand on a board and you ride waves. Um, it looks easy enough, but if you ever try to do it on your Hawaiian vacation or something, you will suddenly gain tremendous respect for the sport because you'll see that you can't do it because it is considered the hardest sport in the entire world to learn. And it's got the number one most quit sport because as soon as you start, you quit because you realize it's basically impossible to do this. However, if you start while you're a child, you can learn it quite quickly because children have what's called neural plasticity. Now, I know you all think plastics are hard, but in science world, the word plasticity means how malleable it is. So this has plasticity. I'm not going to show you. <laughs> this does not have much plasticity. You know, I need a saw to... You can't bend it. It doesn't have plasticity. Neuroplasticity means that you can learn new tricks. One time at Asia Torah, I had a student who was an old man. I worked many years in Kirov. Many years. I still work in Kirov, but, uh, but like I worked full time in Kirov. We're talking like tens of thousands of Bali Chuva during that great wave of Bali Chuva that went on for 40 years from 1967 to 19 to 2007 was a wave of Bali Chuva. And I got to be right at the heart of that as a rabbi teaching them. One time I had an elderly, uh, student. He was in his seventies and I really wanted to carve him to Yiddishkeit. And he finally said to me, you can't teach an old dog new tricks. You know what I said to him? You're not a dog. When you're a little baby, your neural plasticity is at its height. It stays quite high throughout your upbringing. If, I, if I'm not mistaken, I may be mistaken, I just don't remember the age, but I'm pretty sure at, at age 28, it only goes down. Meaning your neuroplasticity still stays somewhat flexible for you to learn new tricks. It stays somewhat flexible till about the age 28. At that point, your, neuropla your neuroplasticity ends. Well, think about it. If your neuroplasticity ended at age 28, that would mean that ever since that age, and even much before, because it's slowly ending, I mean, it slowly ends, probably probably between 18 and 28, that last 10 years, is where your neuroplasticity starts calcifying, meaning it starts hardening. And then what happens is, I guess by 28, you know, we know more or less what life's going to be like. We know more or less what our personality is going to be like. We're pretty darn predictable at that point of how we're going to interact with whatever comes our way. And at that point, you become grooved. 
you become grooved like a groove from 2018 on who you are how you interact your overall predictability gets grooved deep grooves and then there's not a lot of room there which is a pretty scary thing because you know all of us at our age even though I'm older than I think everyone in the room except for maybe one or two people but all of us have to look in the mirror every day and you know we we can't hide anymore from our lackings from our midas issues from our things that are just simply never matured inside of us many of us are are really working with kids strategies but in adult form and not just adult form but but bubby and zadie form but we're really just kids and we even know we all know that we all have uncles and aunts who are much older than us who we have to so carefully tiptoe around the eggshells around them because because they're they're already at an age where they can't even pretend they're not just big babies in their senior years and there's even community leaders who I'll leave nameless who are also very reactive people there's not a ton of maturity and yet leading possibly large swaths of Jewish people And so we got to look in the mirror and we have to say to ourselves you know we don't say anything to ourselves I think we look away as quickly as possible because we don't want to deal with the fact that we are so grooved in ways that that are it's not okay and it's hurting our children it's hurting our our schneers it's hurting our adim in a clock aren't getting the bubby and the zadie that we'd wish we could be for them our marriages many of us are at the point now where we're starting to say you know is is this it like is this as far as we will bond are we just going to be living on parallel train tracks are we truly one And the answer is is that until unless we have really really plumbed the depths of how we got grooved the way we got grooved we will always be separate train tracks than our spouse and it's hard to to feel the excitement or optimism in our relationships as a result now i just painted the most bleak picture that you've probably ever heard painted in any scenario you've ever sat in before 
But I see that the room's gotten very quiet. You know, there's quiet, and then there's quiet. This is extra quiet. Now, do you think I would have shared all this, all of this bleak scenario with basically no future grooved in our neural calcification as opposed to plasticity? Do you think I would share all that if there wasn't an answer, if there wasn't a way out? Not going to share with you such a situation if there wasn't a way out. I was just painting the picture to get us all on the same page of how do we reinvent ourselves after the age of 40. It's a nice thing that this is the first class for this Shabbos because I think it's going to open up all our hearts to listen extra carefully throughout the weekend. To really open up our hearts. Because it turns out that the only way forward, if you do want to get back your neuroplasticity, the only way forward, if you do want to be able to not grow, because it's not just grow. Because if the foundations aren't, aren't whole, so then I'm not sure you want to grow anything. There was a famous Maimer Chazal in Shas that says, if the Zakanim say, demolish, and the Junger say, build, demolish, because the demolition of the Zakanim is building. I'm going to say that again. Imagine we're talking about a building here. The younger say build, and the Zakanim say demolish. The mimer of Chazal is if the Zakanim say demolish, and the younger say build, demolish, because the demolition of the Zakanim is the building. You see, the younger say build because they're young and scared. And if they can just finish the facade of the building, they could probably get enough buyers to sell off the units and get out quick before anyone finds out that the foundations are no good. Whereas the Zakanim say, that's going to come and get you. I've been around enough years to know that even if you sold every unit, that's going to come and bite you later. And don't put people in a faulty building. The Zakanim look at long-term strategy and the younger look at short-term strategy. What did calcify? What is it that, what is it that got grooved? What are we talking about here? What got grooved with you by the time you were 28? And then just groove deeper and deeper since then to the point where in another 20 years, if we would meet up, if you weren't here right now, if you didn't hear what I'm about to say, that would be, you would be the altar 
that we have to walk on eggshells to not hurt their feelings. What is it that got grooved? Well, a lot of things got grooved. But the one that we want is our personality. Our personality got grooved. And the personality that got grooved turns out to be and here you got to open your heart and you got to go deep to think about this because it's not posture what I'm about to say. But the personality that got grooved was a short-term strategy in a moment of identity crisis. You see, Young people, while they're still flexible, they wind up in various identity crises. Now, when I say identity crisis, you're probably not really understanding what I mean. What I mean by identity crisis is different than what you're probably thinking. An identity crisis would be you're sitting in class, minding your own business, in fourth grade, or Kita Dalid, and all of a sudden, you raised your hand and asked a question that was like the right question but the wrong subject, and just completely blew it. And all of a sudden, you identified as part of the group suddenly became the idiot. Or there was an embarrassment or you were put down. I mean, I'm also a tati of a bunch of kids. I just married off my fifth. And I'm also watching my kids go through their day to day. I wish I could cover them in padding. I wish I had a microphone like this one here to their ear every time the Rebbe or the or the the teacher for my girls asked a question that they didn't know the answer but their hand is up and they're about to give the wrong answer i wish i could just whisper the answer that it shouldn't happen i wish i could be on in the uh, during the hafsoke i wish i could be there to make sure my son gets picked to play and i wish i could be there for my daughters that they get a starring role and I wish I could feed them their line right before they forgot it in front of everybody. To the point where today they have it all recorded, which makes me sick. You know why it makes me sick? I like the fact that they want to protect our girls from doing something really stupid so they don't get like scarred for life. I like that part. I do not like sitting in a room with four or five hundred people pretending this is real. For, for an Am Emis, a nation of truth, to have everyone sit there for several hours and pretend this is real is not our people's way. If she didn't practice enough, so postpone the show. If she's going to get stage fright, give her a chance to give the role to somebody else. But let's not all sit there and pretend this is real when it's not. And don't let our girls think that we don't trust them to be able to say their lines. 
What kind of kind of garbage is that? Now, I understand that every kid in that crisis, every kid who said something at her Shabbos table when, he, when you know, as a little kid, you said something trying to be smart, but guess what? You said the cutest thing ever. Everyone burst out laughing, and it's become part of the family culture to repeat it to you weekly. Those are identity crises. Because when you're young, you're so desperate to be like everyone else, but it's impossible that when Hashem creates every single person as an absolute one-off, the term one-off means that they only made one of it, you know, like a handmade car in England that they made one of at Rolls-Royce, so it's a one-off. Do you realize that every one of us is a one-off? It's impossible for every one-off to be exactly like everyone else. And it's inevitable that you will stick out like a sore thumb many times. At which point you're stuck. You're in a crisis. And in that crisis, you come up very quickly with some kind of strategy of the personality that would work for you to get through it. But the problem is that short-term strategies for children turn into long-term personalities for adults. Short-term strategies for children. It was a good short-term strategy. Nothing wrong with it. But it became a long-term personality for the adult. And then it calcified. Eventually, that's just who you are. So is it any wonder that husbands and wives aren't bonded? She's married to your strategy. You're married to her strategy. Who else, who else showed up at the Bashaw? Who was that? Who are they really marrying? Now, it's not like you tricked them. You didn't trick anyone. Because you actually think you are who you are. So it's not like you're tricking anybody. Well, there is one person you've been tricking. Who's that? Yourself. Because who is a person? Who really is a person? We'll get to who's a person in a second. I forgot I was going to tell you one more thing. I was teaching in uh, Williamsburg many years ago, and I had, I don't know how many men were in there, about 50, I guess. And I asked the men if any of them was ever uh, for kitagan, kindergarten. And a couple raised their hand. I picked one of them. I said, how many kids in the kita? He said, there were 40. I said... Tell me, were any of those two kids alike? This is back to the one-off. I forgot to say that the one-off. I said, were any of those two kids alike? He said, no. I said, was there even overlap between the two kids? He said, no, it was a ganachayas. It was, 
every kid was like his own universe. It was like there was no connection between any two kids in personality. And then I asked, someone please raise their hand, who was the Rebbe in Kita Tess. When the kids get their hit and reckle. Rec- a couple of them raised their hands, called on one of them. How many kids you got in your class? Forty. I said, were any of those two kids different? He said something very powerful. He said, no. And anything that was even remotely different about them, they would quickly amputate. Which has led ultimately to our tremendous avodazora of the word normal. Do you know the normal avodazora? This thing we call normal that we've all been bowing to for all these years. To be normal. We're looking for a normal family for our daughter. Have you guys ever met a normal family? Tell me, is your family normal? Eight billion one-offs. You got a normal... Oh, yeah, you're normal? Oh, really, you're normal. By the way, come up to me afterwards if you're normal, because I've been waiting to meet my first normal person. Maybe another word for normal is dead. Maybe another word for normal is, is there some personality inside this person that they haven't met in some 30 years, 40 years. Normal means a shell. Normal means a mannequin. You know, everywhere we look in this world, it's either deteriorating or it's growing. The most beautiful trees you saw on your way up here were once seeds that rotted in the earth. The beauty is in the imperfection, not in the perfection. The beauty is in our uniqueness, not our sameness. And God made us that way. There are no two people alike. All of us know identical twins. Is that the same person? Not at all. So who are we? Who are we underneath it all? Who is that super special person, that person created but Selim Elohim? And how do we find that beautiful child inside of us? I hope you're seeing mine. Because mine's alive and well. Now, I lucked out a little bit because I grew up in Southern California where there's no such thing as normal. I mean, there was nothing normal going on over there. And so we, I got to miss the whole normal thing. Normal wasn't part of the system. And you want to hear something very interesting? When I got to Asia Torah at 23 years old, 
and I found out about Hashem and Torah and everything, you, you know what I did? I put a George Floyd knee on the neck hold. I placed my knee on the neck of the beautiful person that I was for the last 23 years in order to become a proper, normal frumyid. You're clapping that I killed my kid? That I overcame it? <laughs> and after a couple years, normally you would think someone becomes frum should be happy. I started getting depressed. And they, they recommended a therapist I go to this therapist, she's a sweet old lady in Shari Chesed in Yerushalayim. I would leave the old city, cross from the Kaisel. I would go out to Shari Chesed to this sweet old forfront lady. And English speaking elderly woman. You know what she did? She would sit on her chair and she would have two chairs, two empty chairs. And I had to go back and forth between those two chairs and have a conversation between the normal Frumyid and Johnny, which was my English name growing up. My legal name was Johnny. Yom Tov was from my bris, from the Tosfus Yom Tov on my mother's side. And I had that dialogue. Every week I showed up there to dialogue. It wasn't easy to dialogue with Johnny because when I became Frum, I stopped swearing. But Johnny... He wanted to swear. He was angry. He didn't have one nice thing to say about Yom Tov. But we became friends. My friends, I see, I see our hours up and I didn't get very far. Those of you, every once in a while there's a Shabbos Karavtani person who comes along to each class I teach. If you really, really, really want to get back to yourself, like really get yourself back completely, that's the possible use seminar. But I want to say this, is that the way of going forward is first demolition. We all have to just stop pushing forward who we've been till now and go into an amazing state of bittel. To go into full bittel of who we think we are. We have to be mavatal that. Now that may sound scary, but you should know what a pain in the neck you are. You're a pain in the neck. It's, you know how hard it is to be close to you? If someone met you today and wanted to get as close to you as, the, as your children or your brothers, sisters or best friends, you know what it would have to be for you to meet someone today and get that close? They would have to write a book of notes of what not to say to you. So you basically, whoever you're close to now is about all the people you'll ever be close to because no one's willing to put the time in to learn how to walk around the eggshells to get close to you. Whereas everyone else, over years of knowing you, they're well-behaved. Well trained. 
The graduates of my seminar have absolute strangers walking up to them. They don't know what to say to themselves. I just had an elderly steward on there on the LO flight comes up to me during during uh you know the flight I wanted to buy something for my wife from the duty free. He he took care of it. While he's processing my credit card, he's standing a little too close to me. And he says to me, can I say something to you? And I said, sure. He says, I don't know what it is, but I've never felt this safe in my life. What's going on here? And I said, I don't think we're going to be able to talk about it now, but I will give you my WhatsApp and we can be in touch. But I promise you, if I go on my cell phone right now, and I go into my WhatsApps from just having finished with another 30 men in Lakewood, or any of those women that just finished Wednesday night in Borough Park, I promise you, there's multiple WhatsApps of people saying that all these people, people like they knew but didn't really know, have been coming up to them and just like snuggling up to, to relate to connect. Their families are suddenly relaxed. There's no more eggshells. There's no more rules. The first is the bittle. And I want to tell you something. The bittle of your personality is so fun. It is so energizing. Because think about it. If you have your calcified personality, well, it has very limited options in every situation. But if you don't have it calcified and you get back your neuroplasticity, no matter what situation comes, Tzerif Purim, Tzerif Pesach, God forbid, a crisis, a financial issue, you're just like, let's go. Let's do this. You're on. You're in. You're ready. Because you're not grooved anymore. You can just... You're, you're, you're fluid. You're just fluid the way God makes the world. The way God makes time. The way God just unfolds infinite into finite. It's full flow mode. He's flowing. Question is, can you go with the flow? Anxiety disappears. No anxiety. People report back no anxiety for the first time in many years. Because if I'm calcified in the way I am, I can't handle the future now. But if I'm in the flow of things, I'm fine. Meaning if this is now my elbow, and that's the future, I can always handle now. I'm always in now. I mean, think about it. Isn't right now, isn't today the tomorrow you were worrying about yesterday? Remember Thursday, you're like, oh, going to Shabbos Kirov, Tony, it's going to be a little awkward at first walking in, you know. Isn't now, isn't right now, today, that tomorrow you were worrying about yesterday? And how's it going so far? Everyone okay? Y'all are you okay? Can you handle the now, now, yes or no? Yes, you can always handle now, now. And guess what? God only creates now. He creates everything. He's mechadish betuva b'choyum tumid masavereshis. Betuva b'choyim tomid every second perpetually. He is making the world yesh mi'ayin. Yesh mi'ayin. That's all there is. There is no time. There's only now. You've only ever experienced now. 
Have you ever experienced time? Can you experience the future? Yes or no? No. no. Can you experience a second ago? No. You've never had one experience of time your entire life. You've never experienced time. I didn't ask if you remember. Experience. And all you have is your experience. That's all you have. That's all you've ever had. And so now, you can always handle now, now, but watch this. You ever seen a drawbridge that lets boats through on a bridge? Watch what happens to the future. The way you've been living life is that the future gets closer and closer until you feel like your whole future, like the chasana you're going to make and chasanas. Tell me, can you handle your whole future now? No. That's anxiety. God creates the world only now. That's all there ever was. You, he created as a neshuma. That's your eternal self. That's your true, true identity. All the personality you created around it has nothing to do with you. Do you realize that the personality that you've been... Your, your long-term strategy of personality, the whole normal business, that whole personality has about as much to do with who you really are as Donald Trump has in common with Reb Chaim Kenevsky. Meaning, there is no connection. The personality that has you so worried, has you awkward in public, has you nervous about the future, has you uncomfortable in public, has you scared of future challenges, that whole personality has nothing to do with who you really are. Who you really are is this awesome neshuma. And in every single situation, there is an application. If I'm sitting on a flight, who I am is helpful. I help people on the flights. Someone can't reach the overhead, I'm on it. My kid gets in trouble in Haider, I gotta go speak to the Minal. Who am I? Well, who I gotta be for this next 15 minutes? With a Minahel, you know why it's called Minahel? It's from the guy from hell. Minhahel. Or Minhahelis. Yeah, stop saying Minal and Minhahelis. From now on, it's Minhahel. So when you get in there to see him, just say, How is the Minhahel? Who works for who? You work for the Minhahel? Or the Minahelis works for you. Which one? Who's working for who here? They're working. They're working for you. And I'll tell you the truth: they're not even working for you. You know who they're working for? They're working for your kids. And I, of all people, in Pins Carlene, you know, the only Baltuva that was stupid enough to join Pins Carlene. Of all the people to go into the Minahel, it's like I should, of all people, be like hiding. I'm not hiding. I'm going to sit with that Minahel and the two of us, maybe I'll invite the teacher in. I'll say, you mind coming also? Can the Rebbe come in? Can we get the Meshkech in here? They're like, what? I'm like, let's sit together. 
I sit with all three of them. I said, between the four of us, we should all be able to work out how to help my eight-year-old who's not, who's not behaving. I think the four of us should be able to have a meeting and come up with some kind of strategy. If not, we should all quit our jobs. Who do you got to be in every situation? Free. In business. In relationships. When Purim comes and your husband's smashed. Can you laugh? Can you be in Purim? When it's absolute chaos? Which clearly Chazal wanted. Can you just let it all go and just, you know what? Maybe I ought to have a glass of wine myself. Pesach. Inside of all of us is such a beautiful child. Inside of all of us is this Heilige Neshoma that can be absolutely anyone wherever we go in every situation. It's my bracha to all of you that you take this session we had just now as the beginning of a journey of your life so that you have what's called a riches yomim. Later we'll be saying mizmor shir liyom Shabbos. That that Tehillim ends with I bless you all to be young in your old age, fresh. Go ahead. You've just experienced another Torah class brought to you by TorahAnytime.com.